This is Shout Podcast, the official health and well-being podcast from the Firefighters Charity. Hi, this is Kim. Can you believe we're on episode nine already of the Shout Podcast season two, where we're focusing on health and well-being and taking a look at specific topics or issues in each episode. This time around, it's all about living with stress and anxiety. Coming up in this episode, we hear from the charity psychological therapist, Becca Harp, talking in depth with another of the team, therapist Izzy Dragonetti, on the difference between stress and anxiety, what causes it and how it affects our body and mind. I'll be chatting with Louise Moody, a beneficiary and partner of a firefighter, on how she dealt with depression and the following anxiety. And then we'll return to Becca and Izzy to hear about different coping mechanisms and where you can get help. We've also got a podcast plus with our wellness and behaviour change coach, AJ Whitaker, offering up a breathing exercise to try in your everyday. Hello, my name is Izzy. I'm one of the psychological therapists at Harkham House and I'm sitting here with Becca, who's also a psychological therapist working at Harkham House. And we're going to be having a conversation today about stress and anxiety. So Becca... um, Over to you. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between those two things? So stress is normally a response to kind of an external kind of cause. So that might be something like a tight deadline at work, um, an argument, worrying about money. Um, So it's something that usually we can kind of identify what we're stressed about. Um, And normally it's like a short term response. So when we feel really stressed, we can feel really exhausted. Um, and it can take kind of maybe an hour after we've been through something stressful for kind of, you know, all the hormones in our bodies to come back down to normal. Um, But with anxiety, it's a little bit different. So often the symptoms will overlap, but anxiety will continue even after a stressful situation has subsided, um, and it will linger and probably be there even when there isn't a stressful situation. Yeah. Stress is the sort of healthy, normal and inverted commas sort of reaction to quite difficult situations. Yeah. And anxiety feels like it's the part of our brain that kind of goes into the unhelpful, unhealthy mode where you continue to be like really fearful even after the danger or the thing that was causing the stress has gone. Should we explore sort of causes of anxiety in a bit more detail, Becca? Like, what are some of the kind of common things that you come across maybe in your work with beneficiaries or just in in general? It's important to say that anxiety is a perfectly normal response. Um, You know, we are designed to have anxiety and that's there for a reason. It's to help us kind of survive and evaluate situations safely. Um, and it's the same with stress, you know, it's, uh, stress is a natural response in our bodies to feeling under threat. Um, and you might feel like actually sometimes being under a bit of stress can be helpful. You know, if you have a tight deadline at work, that stress and that rush of kind of adrenaline in your body will push you through to get something done and to do it well. Um, but anxiety kind of as a mental health issue, it becomes a problem when it's kind of excessive Um, and it continues and doesn't kind of subside in any way. And you can, I guess, be more at risk to developing kind of um, excessive anxiety if you've been through something really difficult, something really traumatic. So I know something we've all been through in the last 
18 months is COVID mm -hmm. um, and we've probably all felt that sense of anxiety in some ways about maybe a family or being in busier places. And we talk a lot about it in, in one of our um, workshops at, at Harkham House um, on the residential um, in the stress management workshop and we look and sleep as well. We, we do a workshop on sleep, don't we? And we talk about how, you know, if one thing starts to be affected, like you've suffered a bereavement or um, you're not sleeping well, then your, your sort of levels of resilience and tolerance for other things just gradually deplete, don't they? And so those things are likely to create a space where we might experience more anxiety than we might normally. Yeah. You know, so if you're not sleeping well, um, or if you've had a stressful few weeks at work or a difficult shout, you know, through mm -hmm. your role as a firefighter or emergency responder, you know, all of those things are sort of fertile ground for a bit for a bit of anxiety. I think we always describe it as a bucket overflowing, you know, that you've got the kind of you've got the rain coming down and you've got a bucket and for a while that bucket will just fill and you might feel stressed but you'll feel okay, you'll feel like you can keep going until there's just that one extra rain cloud and then that will overflow the bucket and that's when we'll start to feel um, maybe like we can't do day-to-day -day tasks um, or like we're excessively feeling anxious about um, things that haven't happened um, or things that might not even happen. So shall we talk a little bit about what some of the common um, effects or symptoms people might experience who are suffering from anxiety in, their, in the sort of mind and body side of things, Becca? I mean, what are, what are some of the, um, yeah, the symptoms that people might be able to identify or if they're not sure that they suffer from anxiety, what might they notice in their body that might be giving like a sign? That that's what's happening. Often the symptoms of stress can be quite similar to the symptoms of anxiety. Um, so things like an increased heart rate, feeling tired or having insomnia, uh, which is kind of not being able to, to sleep at night. Um, having a general kind of uneasy or unsafe feeling. So for me that would kind of manifest as just having those butterflies in your tummy and not quite knowing why, but just not quite feeling right. Um, having a lot of muddled thinking, not being able to make a decision, um, a lot of tension in the muscles um, and feeling really irritable. Um, there are kind of lots of different symptoms and they'll be different for different people. It's about trying to figure out what your signs and symptoms are if you're somebody that suffers with anxiety to kind of notice those um, warning signs, I guess, that you're maybe going into that place. Um, for me, the you know the bottom of my legs they get so tense. It's kind of having that that awareness. The body gives a lot away, doesn't yeah. it? It has signals and warning signs, and we sometimes I think we feel like we've evolved so much that we don't need to pay attention to it mm. because we're like, oh no, it's fine, it's nothing. You know, we might have a headache. You know, you mentioned butterflies, yeah. tension in legs or, or other parts of the body, and I know I'm guilty of it too. Like I will I will sort of dismiss it as being you know, or whatever, I don't need to think about it. But actually, it's probably my body saying something like, you're tired, yeah. you're stressed, you're feeling worried about this thing, but not connecting with the symptom or the, or the response of my body. In the Western world, we're just starting to understand that, that the mind and the body are so connected. When you're feeling stressed or you're feeling anxious, that's going to activate um, the fight or flight response in your brain. So that's a part of our brain called the amygdala. Um, that's a 
survival part of our brain, I guess. Um, it doesn't have room for logic or reason um, or kind of to to understand things or comprehend things. That's the front part of our brain that does that, the prefrontal cortex. So when we feel under stress or anxious, our brain will kind of activate the amygdala. It will activate that we're under threat, we need to figure out how to survive this. And that amygdala, you know, it can't tell the difference between us being chased by prey and um, a really high gas bill that is really stressful to us. Um, it doesn't have that capability to make that difference. All it knows is we are under threat. That part of our brain is useful because it helps us to survive. Um, I guess the issue now is that it kicks in at times in our modern life when actually it's probably not needed. You're listening to Shout Podcast from the Firefighters Charity. So let's speak to somebody whose mental health has actually been affected by depression, stress and anxiety. Louise Moody works in control at Bedfordshire Fire and Rescue Service and is the partner of a firefighter. Here's her story. I've had a history with obsessive compulsive disorder as a child, particularly and throughout my teenage years, and then managed to sort of get a grip on it. But in my sort of adult years, that's led to, I've I've experienced more depression and increased anxiety facing kind of stressful work situations. I guess I just sort of, I lost the ability, I felt like I lost the ability to, to deal with any kind of stress and that really increased my anxiety and then sort of the depressive episodes that I had as well increased my anxiety as well. I think the anxiety was triggered by the depression but I don't really know what triggered the depression I felt sort of overwhelming feelings of hopelessness that used to come out of nowhere and that I couldn't shake. Yeah, sometimes it would just be a day, sometimes it'd be weeks on end until I sort of reached out and, and got some help for that. How do you feel like it was affecting you and your everyday life? I just had no motivation or desire to do anything. I just felt like everything was pointless. Things that I used to love to do... I had absolutely no desire to do whatsoever and they didn't bring me joy anymore and I just felt so disconnected from kind of everything and everyone around me so even if I was with you know my closest friends and family I just I didn't feel present and I didn't feel like I was actually living in that moment if that makes sense mm, it does yeah what was it that made you actually reach out and get help I, I went quite a while without talking about it at all because I I think I just thought it was normal stress or or troubles that, you know, kind of everyone goes through on it, you know, with life. But it was only when it was really affecting my day-to-day living and it had been a persistent problem for a long time and it didn't seem to actually be relating to anything that was going on in my life because on paper, you know, my life was great. I had a job that I loved at the time and everyone would tell me how lucky I was to have that job I've got a great relationship I've got very supportive uh, friends and family around me so on paper I didn't really have a reason so I think I felt like I didn't deserve to have anything wrong if that makes sense so I sort of just brushed it off and and tried to think no it's you know there's nothing actually wrong you're just being ridiculous and I tried to just carry on really. So there came a point Louise where you decided to literally put your hand up and say I need help. When did you know and what did you do? It was really down to my partner quite a lot, actually. 
obviously he'd seen how much I'd been struggling and he'd been encouraging me and being very supportive and but encouraging me to to seek some help but he knows you know it needed to come from me I needed to feel ready to take that step and it finally sort of came to a head last year where I'd had another really bad week and he said should we revisit this this conversation of you talking to the doctor and getting some help and I finally felt like yes I, I need some help and it it went from there really and I my only regret really is that I didn't feel that sooner and do that sooner it's not an instant fix though and I appreciate that this is something that you're going to have to continue to work on and I know that you are but is there anything that you've found has started to really help you and and perhaps make you feel a bit more like you're enjoying life again yes I think one thing I did which has really helped is I set very clear boundaries for sort of my work-life balance particularly in my old job that was something that I was finding really overwhelming and I don't think helped with my my mental state was that you know I was bringing work home with me I was obsessing about work you know that that kind of thing so I think by setting clear boundaries with my work colleagues about when I did and didn't want to talk about work or you know my home time was my home time that really started to help because it meant when I was at home having my own time I really could switch off relax and then try and focus on doing something else with my time I I taught myself how to knit brilliant (laughs) yeah so I followed some YouTube tutorials and started knitting so I thought that's something that I can do a little bit at a time it's it's not like a, a massive project that I need to dive into which could also make me feel worse if I felt like I wasn't achieving anything but by doing something a little bit at a time but also it was very therapeutic it was just that sort of repetitive motion I could just focus on being present and doing one thing if that makes sense um I found that really helped yeah I know that you have had some experience of the firefighters charity how have they helped you and and how indeed did you first reach out so I first reached out through my partner and he suggested speaking to the the firefighters charity within one phone call I instantly felt better because they were very reassuring and supportive and they within an hour I had a link and a login to a really helpful resource where I could speak to other people suffering with depression and anxiety with you know medical professionals that could answer any questions and and help give support and just help you feel like you're not alone and that you're not the only person going through this and that there is light at the end of the tunnel and you, you can come through it. You've been very brave to talk up about it. Um, What words of advice would you give to any others who feel your story is happening to them? I think the biggest thing I can say to anyone is just to to speak out, is to to seek some help, whether that is just going to a friend, a family member, or if you do want that sort of separation, if you're too embarrassed to speak to someone close to you, which you shouldn't be, but if you are, um, that's absolutely fine. But speak to somebody either a medical professional, if you've got links with the firefighters charity was absolutely amazing, but there's lots of charities out there and just take that first step and speak to someone and they might be able to just give you that little bit of advice or a push in the right direction of, of where you need to go to, to get all the help you need. And, and like you said earlier, it's not an instant fix, but it's taking that first step to then keep going. 
Very brave of Louise to speak to the Shout podcast about her experiences and to give us an idea about the coping mechanisms she's used. Here's Becca and Izzy to give us some more ideas and they've information on where you can get help. What are some of the things that you suggest or work with in your in your work with beneficiaries, Becca? I think in the same way as trying to get to know your own symptoms, it's really helpful to try and get to know what works for you, um, what coping strategies you know are good for you, because um, it will be different for for everybody. As a description of mindfulness, they will describe kind of maybe just watching the clouds go by so that the clouds are thoughts um, and rather than becoming involved in the thoughts, um, emotional about the thoughts, feeling like the thoughts are you, taking a step back and actually just being able to watch the thoughts. You can't stop the thoughts but you can just watch them and see that they're constantly moving and they will move past. Um, And that's quite similar I guess. Is kind of... um, yeah, taking that little step back to see that, okay, this is happening right now, but life is always moving and something, you know, it will move kind of and something else will take its place. And I guess with kind of metaphor that we used earlier about having a bucket and that bucket overflowing, trying to find things that put holes in that bucket so that the water can get released, so that, the you know, that bucket doesn't get over, doesn't overflow. Um, there's always going to be rain, but if we put holes in the bucket, then that might stop that bucket from overflowing. Um, so some of those things might be, it's different for everybody, but, you know, maybe writing things down so that they come out of your mind. Um, journaling, um, you know, just writing down whatever comes to mind and not filtering yourself. Engaging in therapy. So that can be a really useful tool for some people um, to, I guess, have a space um, you know, a boundaried and safe space for them to explore what's going on for them. With somebody who's objective and maybe out of out of your situation, it can be hard to do that with friends and family sometimes who are in it with you um, and they're feeling emotional about the situation. Um, but talking to friends and family as well, you know, and kind of being able to recognise that that can be helpful. You know, we are designed to live in communities. We're not designed to, to live alone um, um i think unfortunately in our society over the last hundred years or maybe the first couple of generations where we think that we maybe should try and do things on our own um, and that the more we do on our own the stronger we are but actually biologically we're not designed to do things on our own mm-hmm. so sharing things with people um, and and allowing them to take a little bit of that weight and help you figure out what might be the solution that's why it can be so helpful in a group setting like the um the groups that we run on on the residentials mm-hmm. um at the centres and here at Harkham House on the psychological um, residential, one person opening up a little bit and maybe talking about anxiety and then other people in the room nodding and kind of going, yeah, and then saying, me too. And immediately you get this sense that everyone's got a little bit of relief from realising they're not alone. What other holes could we create to help ease our anxiety? Having a good sleep routine um, is really important. Again, if we've not had enough sleep, then maybe that logical reasoning part of our brain isn't going to be working properly um, and it's going to make it harder for us to see situations as they are um, as opposed to what we fear they could be. Um, Eating, you know, well, eating a good diet, again, giving that fuel to the body, um, allowing it, you know, the, the energy it needs 
to kind of sustain itself um, feels, you know, really important. Um, I think having boundaries and being able to say no is a really important way to, yeah, a really important coping strategy because um, I always think of the metaphor of kind of being on a plane and that they always tell you to put your own oxygen mask on before you put a child's oxygen mask on. And just that, you know, if you're running up and down that plane, putting everyone else's oxygen masks on, helping everybody else, that's great. You know, they're all safe. But if you don't have that mask on, you're only going to be able to go so far down the plane until you collapse and faint Mm. from your lack of oxygen. But if you took the time before to put your mask on, then you can help so many more people because you can breathe. So kind of thinking of it in that way and that sometimes we can feel guilty for taking time for ourselves, or feel like it's not really necessary but actually in the long run by taking some me time and doing whatever it is that you enjoy um, or like to do to relax um, you're actually going to be of more benefit to the people around you that you want to help and that you want to give to Um, so it's okay to say no if you're feeling really tired or um, you just need a break Um, that's okay yeah I think that's such an important one being able to to say no take stock of what you've already got going on and and feel comfortable saying actually at the moment I can't take that on can you say a little bit Becca about the different services that are available Within the firefighters charity, we have um, a psychological service. So um, we have a number of psychological therapists um, that work for the charity. Um, And so we are able to offer people um, online or phone um, counselling sessions, um, usually around six sessions. So that's kind of a one-to-one time for an hour um, with a therapist um, to be able to kind of talk about these things in some more detail um, to figure out what your kind of symptoms are maybe of anxiety and stress and what coping strategies or, or mechanisms you could try putting into place to kind of help you with that. Um, and then we also have our residential programme at Harkham House in Devon. Um, and that programme is four days long um, and that's um, an educational kind of programme so it doesn't involve um, one-to-one therapy or group therapy there's lots of workshops so we do workshops on sleep stress loss and change um, you know lots of different things to kind of help us understand what's going on in the body what's going on in the brain why is that happening and we also have um, exercise therapists and physiotherapists down here at Harkham who will also lead on parts of the program like um, taking you into the gym um, and kind of having pool sessions. We do a lot of walks around the grounds at Harkham. There's kind of hundreds of acres of beautiful woodland. So every day we'll go on a walk, just take that time to calm. Um, And we really try to focus on the week being holistic. So it's about um, all aspects of the body, um, not just mental health. So knowing that in order to improve our mental health, we also need to look at our physical health. And so that's why we kind of have the gym sessions and the pool sessions in there, um, because it's about looking at everything. And again, bringing back to what we said earlier about that mind and body connection, that the mind and the body are so interlinked. So it's really important that we kind of look at both. We can't just look at one or the other. Thanks, Becca. 
Something that you might find useful in your everyday life is a breathing exercise. Here's AJ Whitaker, our wellness and behaviour change coach, with a little snippet from this time around's Podcast Plus. This is a useful little quick stress reduction technique called combat tactical breathing. And it's sort of used by athletes, people on the front line, in a really quick and easy way, wherever you are, to just reduce your stress level. I'm going to be breathing in for four, holding it for four, and then releasing that breath for four. So if you would like to find out more about the topics we've discussed today, get links to articles and more information, just visit firefightercharity.org.uk forward slash shout podcast. You can make sure you don't miss any of the main podcasts or our special Shout Podcast Plus episodes by subscribing via your usual platform. Coming up in the next episode in a fortnight's time, we're discussing healthy joints, including living with arthritis. One of our practitioners has more information. And we'll be discussing the effects of the pandemic on delayed surgery and the positive steps that can be taken to prepare mentally for joint surgery. Until next time, take care. Shout Podcast. Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out firefightercharity.org.uk to find out how the Firefighters Charity could support you. If you liked Shout Podcast, you're going to love My Firefighters Charity, the new social media well-being and fundraising app for the fire services community. Packed with great well-being content from the expert teams at the Firefighters Charity, you can connect with others, join groups, collaborate and have fun with your fire family friends across the UK. And you can get the advice and help you're after from the Firefighters Charity whenever you need it. Head to your app store, search for My Firefighters Charity and register for free today.